Hey there, welcome to the Kitchen Sink Podcast. I'm Camille, and this is the podcast for women that want to create a dream kitchen without stress and costing a fortune. If you like no fluff, tell it like it is remodeling advice from a cabinet maker with over 30 years experience, then you are in the right place. I am so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hey ladies, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Kitchen Sink Podcast. I have my lovely guest here, Demetra Lambros. Some ladies are popping into the room, so join us inside the Zoom room if you can. The link is in our bio, and I'm going to start live streaming to our Facebook page real quick, and then we're going to dive into the content. And our lovely Carissa is not here today, so I'm having to do some of this myself, She's got some sick littles at home that she's taking care of. So, Carissa, we miss you. And uh, let me get this going. So we're live streaming on Facebook. If anybody wants to share it, now is the good time to share it to your groups, which I think, Dimitri, you already did. All right. We are live. And let me go live on Instagram. And let's see if we can do all this at the same time. This is like juggling a thousand little hats, little pots in the pans in the air. So we are live on Facebook and it looks like Instagram may work with us this morning. Julie, if you had a question, um, I know we, we, you and I talk almost every week, but if you do have a question, you can put it in the chat for me to get to later if you wanted to. All right. Thank you. We got some ladies joining. Hi, ladies. Come on in. We are, those of you that are on Instagram, we're live right now on our Facebook page, um, Kitchen Coach, and we are live inside the Zoom room. So if you're looking to be inside the room with us, with Demetra and be able to see us on camera, you don't have to be on camera, uh, pop over to our Dream Kitchen Coach Instagram page and click on the link in the bio, and then you can be in the room with us, okay? Otherwise, you can kind of just hear me answering questions and talking to Demetra, trying to do all this at the same time. All right, so Demetra, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? We have lots and lots of ladies here who love to cook. I personally love Greek food. I don't cook a lot of it, but I always love it every time I go to a Greek restaurant. And I'd love to actually learn more of that. So can you kind of give us like, give us a little background of one, how we have a little bit of an overlap with our name Kitchen Coach, and then how you became such a good chef of Greek food. Okay, thanks. Well, I appreciate being on your show, Camille. It's really an honor because I've admired your work so much. And I guess that's a good starting point, which is to just say that many years ago, I started a Facebook page called Kitchen Coaching because I wanted to help people cook. And then I saw that you had your page, (laughs) Kitchen Coach. I said, oh, she got my name. And then I looked at it and I I adored you. And I said, well, whatever she's doing, I want to meet her. And I saw that you were into kitchen design. And that had actually recently become a topic that was of interest to me because I redesigned, I mean, we renovated our kitchen in our our house that we had bought. And so I thought, wow, what fantastic work she's doing. So that was our first uh, contact. And then not only that name, but even the name of your podcast, The Kitchen Sink, and it just blew my mind because I had taught a class called Cooking the Sink, which is just about putting your bowl in the sink and using the sink and ergonomically how nice it is to be able to put your hand That's a great there. tip. That's <laughs> interesting. I've never thought of that. My sink is pretty deep, but that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, in, in Greece, the kitchens are 
generally very small. Right. And so the sink is just another surface to put something. Sink is another on. countertop. Yeah. <laughs> right. So right. I think of it more ergonomically uh, as a musician. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, my background is as a pianist. I'm always thinking of, um, well, let me stand up a little bit. Yeah. Like, like this. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I see people and their kids are at the kitchen's encounter like this, I always just think, oh, they could just be putting, standing up and having their hands down. Right. But anyway, so, well, I guess my relationship uh, to Greek food comes in three stages. As I was growing up, the food of my grandmother and my mom and my aunt and all the people in the Greek community where I grew up just woke my senses up, let's say. I just... Yeah was astonished that food could be so good at certain people's houses and at their tables. And then I would go to somewhere, somewhere else. And I, just, I didn't, um, mm -hmm. I wasn't disgusted by other food, but I just thought that's so much better. Yeah. It was <laughs> so, kind of bland. I've had that experience too. Yeah. yeah I was just alive and it, it felt like it was an experience just eating the food. And then, um, I took my first trip to Greece when I was 18 and that was a defining moment. I was I was actually wow. shocked by the taste of the food. It was just really see. I oh. have not been to Greece yet. It's like on my bucket list. Okay, highly recommend. Yeah, maybe this summer I will. So that was the next level. And then yeah. in 2002, uh, I moved to Greece with my husband, who's from Greece, and that became, of course, the immersion part part of my experience. Yeah. And so although I'm a musician and my whole life I've been performing and teaching, that was my background. I just got more and more interested in food, not just in recipes, but in the whole experience of food in Greece. And so whether that be the seasonal aspect, the freshness, the simplicity of the recipes, the gatherings, the family and friend gatherings that happen around food, all aspects of food and kitchens became very interesting to me. And so I just, I started trying to teach music and cooking together. Like come for your yeah. piano lesson and we'll do 15 minutes at the piano and then 15 minutes at the stove. And then while something- Oh, I love this. So you, cause I was gonna ask you about, cause she's a really great piano teacher. Okay, you guys, and that's really her profession. And I was gonna ask you about like music and that, but you literally did combine those. I, I, I made the announcement to people, I'm teaching this together. And I only had one parent who had one child who, who yeah. ever did it. But I was like, that's my dream. And then of course, when the digital world opened up, I realized I could combine my different interests and my experiences. Yeah. So the you know, decades and decades of teaching music and then the more, the newer chapter with food just started to kind of overlap. And I'm having so much fun uh, conveying and communicating to people in other parts of the world what I was able to learn by living in Greece and cooking there for 20 years. Yeah. One of the things that, one of the reasons I brought you on the show is because I love this idea. Well, I love a new, a new, better way of doing anything. It's <laughs> like, period. And I love that you figured out that you could teach people how to learn Greek by cooking with them and teaching them the words of the food. And that's how they ended up learning Greek, right? That you sort of found that for yourself as well, you learned Greek really well because you were cooking and learned the foods first. So can you talk a little bit about how this is sort of how you teach people that, let's say you want to, like, let's say I want to go to Greek. So I'm already going to sign up for the program. I already know that. 
I want to learn to speak some words and I want to learn to, to cook some of the food. So for me, it's like a double, but let's just say I wanted to go to Greece and be able to get around a little bit and feel co- a little more comfortable. How did you figure out that you could teach me some of the cooking stuff, but then the secondary benefit is I actually learned how to speak Greek in a very good dialect in a true tone. Well, the first part of that answer is my own experience, which is that by cooking in Greece, you're shopping in Greece. And if you're shopping in Greece, if you're not shopping at the market, it's just kind of sad. You know, the, the farmer's market, which in Greece yeah. it's, it's called Laiki, the Laiki. When you shop there, it's literally an experience. And I was actually envious of the people who could communicate with the vendors yeah. in Greek mm-hmm. about not only the products, but even um, like the, the vendors will sometimes give you three herbs in addition to what you asked for, because they assume you're going to make X dish, which uses these herbs. And they just know, like, look, you're missing this. <laughs> right. You're making fasolada, you need this. You're making spanakorizo, you need your dill or whatever. And I was just motivated by that. I said, well, I love this food and I want to be able to interact with these people. So I actually came up, I brought this to show you today. You see this? I created this shopping list that's with that. I use a dry erase marker and it was a whole strategy to get myself to wean myself off of the grocery store and how to just get what I needed there and then be able to go to specialty shops and go to the farmer's market. And be able to say the words that you needed to get those items. Exactly. So I started learning those words because food was of interest to me, of major interest. And then yeah. I started interacting people with people around food and in kitchens. And my level of, Greek, of kitchen Greek, I call it, was like yeah. way up here. Everything else was way down here. Yeah. And I didn't mind. I didn't care. I, that was actually my goal. And then one day I watched a cooking show or not a show, but a video, explanatory video. And it was 20 minutes long and I understood every word and I didn't need captions and I didn't need anything. Nice. I, I had tears in my eyes. I was like, yeah, I understood it. And, th- and I was kind of laughing. I said, well, my level of kitchen Greek is so much better than my rest, the rest, but that's interesting. Right. I was to figure out how to conjugate in the future, in the past, in the conditional. I would have liked, I should have. I, next time I will like, yes. and those are the things that make it hard to learn a new language. Cause I did, I studied both Spanish and French in high school and in college. And it's always the conjugations, <laughs> like, well, conjugations and like little, little idiomatic expressions that are just unique to each culture. Those are the hardest things for me. Not that like, you know, word for cup and stuff right. like that. So, right. And in so Greek- you're saying your kitchen. So basically your way of teaching is you teach the person kitchen Greek first which is around the foods that you're cooking. So you're teaching them how to cook the food, what's in the food, the recipes, the ingredients. That makes them feel confident because now they know some words that they can say. And I would imagine that you work on pronunciation and like real dialect. And then that allows them to get some confidence so that then they can maybe start moving forward with conjugations and like future tense and pat, which helps with just in general listening skills and conversing and feeling comfortable in a conversation around other people, right? I would imagine that's kind of the way it goes. Yeah, that that's kind of the path. And in Greek, it's, it's especially challenging to do all the conjugations with verbs. But if you can get it in one category and food, I mean, mm. food eats. So although you might be a right. stewardess and you need 
the vocabulary for working there and somebody else is a gardener, somebody else, you know, everyone has just certain words they need, but kind of everyone needs to be able to talk about going to the grocery store and buy food and eating. So I just found it as a a great starting point and it's fun to talk about the correct pronunciation when you're talking about food, um, food and ingredients and recipes. I don't know why it's just fun and that and songs. So I call it a culinary and cultural approach to the language. So I, I, oh, I love this. Well. Okay. So you're teaching music, piano, and then also some of the songs. So they feel connected to Greece and some, they understand some of the culture and then the food, which then leads to the language. And because you're starting with kitchen Greek, that's like a really nice, easy, fun way into the exactly. culture. And then they get confidence, right? Cause that's usually why most of us stop a language because we feel like we're not getting anywhere because we're trying to learn like the whole enchilada right? versus like this fun way in. And I could imagine like maybe you make one or two of your favorite recipes. Well, you're not going to forget those words because they're tied to this fun thing that you love, that you ate. Like it just makes your brain remember that, right? Because it's this really amazing experience. What a great way to teach. That's fantastic. I love that you put those together in this kind of it seems like a lot of common sense now, but no one's really doing that. Like I've never seen anybody come across them doing that. It's very immersive. It took me a long time to figure out how to speak even basic Greek. And I thought this couldn't be done a lot more quickly and with a, and it, it, it yeah. could be much funner if you did it like this. And I just created it and I'm having a ridiculous amount of fun. Oh, I love that. Um, okay. So ladies that are over on Instagram, just don't want to catch you up. Uh, feel free if you want to know who we're talking to right here on, in, on the screen is uh, Demetra. So jump on over into the Zoom room if you want to be able to see us both live. You do not have to have your camera on. And Heidi, thanks for jumping on. And um, the link is in our bio in the on Instagram. That's the very, it says click to join at the very top. That's us in this room right here. So those ladies, or you can go over to our Facebook page and you can also just watch us there. Dream, uh, I think it's just Kitchen Coach. Um, okay, Dream so that brings coach. us... You what? Dream Kitchen. Oh, it is Dream Kitchen Coach. I'm sorry. Our Facebook page is Dream Kitchen Coach. Um, Okay. So that brings us to like how you created this method, this sort of framework, this new fun way of teaching Greek and music and cooking. Um, Let's dive into just a little bit more of the actual cooking for me, just for me personally. What would be like two, what would be two recipes that you would start us with to learn as beginners? for the Greek food that we could then also learn the ingredients and, uh, and some of the language around it. Like what, what would you start us with? So I, I actually asked my students which recipe they would like to do, because some people, you know, people have different tastes and different um, desires. So okay. in general, tzatziki is something people really like to learn how to make. And okay. it's something that a lot of people know what it is and you have the Greek yogurt and you have the lemon and the oil and the thing. So for example, right, I think. sorry, it's, it's cucumbers, right? Grated cucumbers. Yes. yes. Okay. I think so, I've made it. I've made it once before, I believe. Well, it's just, it's not too difficult to make and, to, and there are not too many ingredients and it includes lemon or vinegar or, and, and oil, which is in like every Greek recipe, right? Yeah. So you start by learning, you know, lemon, vinegar, oil, salt, pepper. Okay, mint. so let's, let's start there. Well, how do you say lemon in Greek? Lemoni. Oh, lemoni. I can do that. Not, okay. not difficult, right? Lemoni. <laughs> lemoni, okay. 
Uh, what about vinegar? Xidi. Oh, is it? How do you spell it? So this is where <laughs> this is where the Greek part trips me up because of the alphabet. Their language, right, is tricky. So I, it sounds like it starts with a th. It, K. It sounds like K S. Like taxi, oh. the way we say the word taxi. Okay. Take out the at, the ta, and just say the end of taxi, xi. Xi. And that xi. is? Xi thee. Xi thee. That's how you say oil in xi. Greek. I'm sorry, sorry, vinegar. Vinegar, xi thee. Okay, I can say that. So, limone, xi thee. Okay, so it's lemoni. Lemoni. There you go. Okay. <laughs> It sounds like it has to be very dramatic facial expressions to make this work. No, I'm just, I was trying to get you to say lemoni instead of lemone or something you were saying. Oh, lemo- right. I got it. Okay. You're doing great. Okay. And so then- the oil, olive oil, obviously the most important ingredient in all of Greek cooking, right? Lavi. 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 You got it. Lavi. Lavi. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't even sound like oil at all. <laughs> Maybe it was going to be like oile or something. Okay. I found that by learning the actual Greek words yeah. for the ingredients that go into the foods, I felt more connected to the recipes and just more connected yeah. to the whole process. Yeah. So, limone, sidi. Did I say it wrong again? Lemoni. Lemoni. So, it's got yes. the double E on the end. That's why I'm going to think about it in my head. Okay. Limoni, sidi, lali. Yes. Okay, what's what's salt? <laughs> I'm determined to do five. Salt is easy. Alati. That's easy? I thought it was going to be like salt. No, alati. Alati. Wow, that's a long word for salt. Alati, okay. So, and then, and then pepper? No, cucumber. Cucumber. Cucumber, aguri. Aguri, okay. Yes. Aguri. Okay. So I could see how this would be really fun because after you'd made that a couple times, like you would just remember aguri is is a is a cucumber, right? So then you'd see that in maybe another recipe, and you'd be like, "Oh, that's a cucumber! I know what that is." Or ladi, yeah, okay. I get I get your your magic, like why it, you come it's up with just, this. It's connected to something else. It's not just connected to a textbook or a worksheet. It's connected to an experience cooking, eating, shopping, you're at the market and all of a sudden you see the word aguri and you're like, oh my gosh, I can read in Greek. I know how to pronounce it. Amazing. <laughs> um, so then how, okay, so that brings up the alphabet. So then how do you, so I'm assuming when you're teaching them the words and the pronunciation, then you're showing them the word and they're learning their alphabet a little bit, right? Oh no, a lot. I, I'm very, I, I have... That's my secret sauce. Actually, that's a piano um, teacher in you. This is, this <laughs> like, is my you're secret gonna sauce. Learn how to sight read. <laughs> you're going to learn how to pronounce, how to read in Greek, and you're going to learn without being overwhelmed because I'm going to break it down just the way you learn how to play, uh, read music, just the way you learn how to play a musical instrument. You break it down. But reading music is the best analogy, not actually playing the instrument. Reading music, you start with bite-sized pieces, and that's where I think um, it's just fun to combine different niches, whether it's language, music, cooking, there are, if you're experienced in teaching in those different fields, right? you can take from this and take from that and say, oh, somebody could learn this like that. And it's an unconventional approach and it's so fun and it works and it's a lot faster. Yeah. 
Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. I knew you would be fun. And it's always easy. I feel like we have a lot of fun, Julie, right? We have a lot of fun talking about kitchens, the components of kitchen design and all the different pieces. And if it's fun and interesting, you it just takes away the stress. It takes away the worry on so many levels when it's fun, right? When you're with a fun teacher or there's there's some enjoyment in the in the making of it, right? So Yeah, and I, I really want to say that um, from 2008, which is the first time I ever designed a kitchen when we bought it, an apartment and we renovated it, I suddenly enjoyed my kitchen and my cooking literally a thousand times more. Right? Isn't I, it true? I, I, I talk about it, it all the time, changed, but people don't really know. Yeah, it changed my experience with cooking. Yeah. So even though I was into Greek food before, it was nothing compared to after the kitchen had been designed. And so that's why I really admire what the work you're doing, because I know it's not just about designing a kitchen so that it looks yeah. good. No, it's no, not your thing. Not even really I mean, of course, it looks stunning, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is the functionality. And that's because I do cook that I know the difference between cooking in a really shitty kitchen that's super frustrating. And no matter how good of a cook you are, but then you, you're you in a in a kitchen that's been designed well for a cook. And even if that's an amateur cook or a home cook, it's just like a dream to cook in. Like, that's how I feel when I cook every day. And it just still feels like that years later to me. So I know that that's a real thing, you know. Um, so, okay. So that brings us up with like how you're teaching it. Um, what types of people do you find that you are, that you like teaching? Do you have like, is it younger people? Is it, is it middle-aged women? Is it like, is it everybody? Like what, what kind of people do you really like sharing this method of like teaching the food, teaching how to cook it and teaching the words? Like, is there anybody in that audience that you prefer or is it kind of everybody? You know, people who, who enjoy cooking and enjoy eating and enjoy the experience of eating in company with others, yeah. they're the ones who appreciate it the most. I haven't had a student who didn't like the approach. Like, they, they all like it. Yeah. But the ones who are, like, I have these two boys who are brothers, okay, 13 and 17 years old, and they both love cooking. And oh, I love this. Wow. So, you know... They, I, I have them make their own cooking the, a video, like as if they're a. Oh, how cute! And so it becomes a project, right? Like they're going to choose yeah. a recipe, and they're going to videotape themselves making it. I even I have to teach them the tech for that many times, and then they're oh, going to narrate it in Greek, and they can read it, and they can say it, wow. and they can do it, and it becomes. So I, I will yeah. say that I, I enjoy teaching it to anyone, but it's just it's kind of the next level of fun when it's people who really are connected to Greek food or just, just to cooking in general. It just, it's really fun. Well, and I can imagine just the confidence level because it's so, it's like, you're basically making it almost like going to Greece. Like you're making it as immersive and fun as you can, given the scenario, given where they live in the United States. Right. Um, oh no, I have a lot, I have a lot of students in Greece. Oh, in Greece. Oh yeah, most of my students are in Greece and they're trying to learn Greek. Oh really? Oh that's yeah. interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad I asked you that. Yeah. But I still think it's really immersive. Like oh, yeah. doing it, I can imagine the amount of confidence. Like when I was learning French, like I really I did it for 6 years and then I I mean I was actually really good in school, but it wasn't the same as like when I went to Paris and I was there for a month, like how I felt after three weeks, 
I was like on cloud nine. <laughs> like I really felt like I was part of what was going on. Right. And so it kind of feels like that's what you're teaching them by talking in it, reading in it, cooking in it, narrating in it. It's like you really feel like you're part of the culture. And it just sounds really fun and confidence building. Well, I think it can work because when I grew, I grew up in the United States and I would, I would go to certain people's house and I sort of felt like I was in Greece, even though, right. you know, it was just the style of how food was cooked and served and yeah. discussed in the house. It, it was a little, little um, piece of Greece in, in America or wherever you are. So speaking of that, though, what's your favorite, like, what do you, what would you say is your favorite part of Greek culture or the reason why you feel like it's really different than the United States? Like what's the kind of magic of Greece outside of the food, but just like, is there something culturally that you can share with us that like really is where the real magic is? Well, it's hard to answer that, you know, say one thing, but I will just say that the way people relate to each other, it's, um, it's something very special. And even if you don't know someone, just the way a lot of strangers interact with each other, there's a, a humanity in that interaction. I think I'm going to get choked up here. <laughs> and it's just really, I, I've had many visitors in Greece. I lived there for 20 years. Just recently, I, I'm in the States right now and closer to my parents who are elderly. And so um, that's part of the reason I'm here. But that my guests in Greece would just be astonished over and over by how I related with my neighbors or the shopkeepers or the restaurant owner or whomever. And I'm not trying to paint some t picture of a utopia that doesn't exist. I'm just saying that there is a quality of interaction yeah. between people there that really touched me. And I mean, I am of Greek descent. So yes, it does remind me of my grandparents and that generation that I grew up with. Um, but to me, the intersection of language, music, food and culture makes this kind of, uh, mm -hmm. it's an equation that brings about an, a result yeah. that to me is very magical and it's really hard to put into words. And many people who come, they say, I don't want to leave. Yeah. They come for a week or two or a month or whatever. And at the end they say, I don't want to leave. And when I was. You definitely sold me on it. <laughs> so, and then knowing the language and knowing how to cook the food, just like it deepens your connection to the country. If you're an expat and learning it when you live in another country is really fun because you can feel close to the culture, even if you're not there. Right. Well, it kind of reminds me, it, what I'm thinking of is it just feels like maybe there's an authenticity there that and a closeness and intimacy between people that we've really lost in the United States. Like you really have to try hard to have that intimacy here, I think, culturally. And it sounds like maybe that's just like more of the norm. People are very comfortable with that intimacy, that like interrelationship personalities and stuff. So uh, I think that's fabulous. So I was going to say, like, come for the food, stay for the people. <laughs> Not bad. If Not I bad. was marketing Greece, that's what I would say. Might be using that. <laughs> stay for the warmth and hospitality. Um, okay. So I think, I mean, that sounds fabulous. So when is your next? So how do you teach this? Do you teach this like once a month? You teach this like when you have a few people together? Like, 
How? When can we sign up? <laughs> when is the next crew? Like, so I yeah, started how does that work. I started teaching about two two years ago, and I taught it my language class as a course. And I it was eight weeks, and then I did it again. It was ten weeks, and I tried it again. I said, "Oh, this content is growing. I'm going to do it for twelve weeks." And every time I would teach it, in response to any question I got, I would add content to my course. So the course just started becoming larger and larger and larger. And then there were people who literally binged and went through it all in three months, and other people who preferred a year, and other people who just really, really didn't, didn't have the time or the bandwidth or maybe even the interest in a, in a more intensive approach. They wanted to just kind of drip by drip learn. And so I started thinking, what if I offered, offered a membership where people could come to live classes yeah. and they would have access to the course as, um, as a part of being in the membership. So last year, 2022, I started trying to offer that and I couldn't quite figure out what to do because my course, it was my baby. I had just worked so hard on it and I felt like it's a standalone course. And it is, you, you could learn everything without ever coming to a live. But since the mo majority of the people enjoy having that live human uh, component. Yeah, I, I would want to do the live part. Yeah, and the more the more memberships I've been a part of, the more I've appreciated that human component versus just a strictly digital course. I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to try this. I'm going to I'm going to abandon the I'm I'm going to stop selling my course as a standalone product, and I'm going to make it part of my membership. And I started thinking, what would I call the membership? Because people will be coming in at different levels. Some will be absolute beginners. Some will have heard Greek all their lives since they were five years old from their grandmother. And I thought, no matter where you are, you want to improve, and it's always gradual. That's yeah. how we learn. And so then I thought, gradual Greek. And so I was really happy with that name. And concurrently, I found um, some other teachers in Greece that I could collaborate with because I don't want to be teaching the more advanced levels. I'm my specialty is teaching the the entry point. Kitchen Greek. <laughs> kitchen and the kitchen order food. Yeah, but I don't want to, you know, I I yeah. want to collaborate with other people to make it a, a fuller. And I found some two two women in Greece who I'm now working with, and so we oh, have this more holistic. So if people come in and they're more beginners, they're more with me. But people can also come to the more advanced class where they hear more spoken Greek, even if they can't keep up with it. And um, some people in the advanced class, some come to the more beginning class just to get refreshed on the yeah. foundations. So that's, and it's open all the time. And right now I have the founding members price, okay. which is uh, very reasonable. And um, gradualgreek.com is where you can sign up and you can sign up any day, anytime. And that's what I love because when I was teaching the course, I always had to tell people there's a waiting list. And, yeah. and now and so what's the price? And is that like a month? Is that a year? Like what's, how do you price it? So right now, the founding members price until we get to a, a certain level, which I think is going to, I'm going to cap it at 50 people. It might be a hundred. I don't know because we're approaching 50 quickly is um, we have 27 a month or 270 a year. Nice. Okay. And you get the course and many lives you can go to and a telegram chat. I mean, it's, it's, and it's really fun. It's really That's a fantastic fun. price. Cause you're basically getting, I mean, I signed up for, uh, so I'm Norwegian. I was tried for about two years. I tried to learn Norwegian. Oh my God. It was so freaking hard. And um, so I had, I think I paid, I don't, it wasn't a hundred dollars a month, but I did pay for a pretty high level immersive teaching thing. 
and that was digital and a whole bunch of stuff. And I mean, it was probably a thousand dollars a year because I was going to go to Norway and I had all this stuff planned. All my relatives live there. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> so, so, I mean, this is a great price because not only are you learning to cook the food, that's one price and you're learning Greek. That's another price. And you're obviously clearly entertaining. I would come just to watch you cook and talk, to be honest. I mean, what a great price to be able to get all three of those at the same time. I love it. Thanks so much. I I am trying to, uh, the founders are are getting a very good deal and and it's my pleasure to offer it as well. And I love the gradual Greek because it's so aspirational. It makes us feel like we can all do it. Like, I feel like I've just learned a couple of words, like, well, I've already forgotten cucumber, but if I'd seen, see, I'm a very visual, like I need to see it written. Even if I don't know what the letters are, I will like, I, I don't have like a photographic memory, but I, but I, whatever's like half of a photographic memory. Um, I'm really good. If I see something written, I can remember it really well. So I know Lottie. That's the most important one. Lottie. And you remember it and see the thee and then what was cucumber again aguri aguri yeah aguri but if i'd seen that written i would remember that was cucumber so um okay this has been delightful um anything else you'd love to share i mean we didn't talk about pianos but for the ladies that are listening a lot of i mean 90 percent of the people that are in my group in my audience are mothers if you have children that need to learn piano want to learn piano let me tell you she is the best freaking piano teacher you'll ever meet she gets incredible results from children uh, or yourself, right? So that's another little pitch for you is she is really good piano teacher. So, um, you know, piano teachers, there's a lot of piano teachers, but I know you're kind of like the piano teacher's piano teacher. So if some of the ladies want to ask a question about, about music mm-hmm. or their kids learning piano, I know I was one of those kids that was kind of like forced to do it. I liked the piano, but I wasn't, I mean, I was okay, good, but it wasn't like, I didn't have like a natural talent for it. So it was like a little bit of a drag, but I really liked my piano teacher. Uh, but some of the people's kids are really talented and they need a good teacher to really do something with that. So anybody that's in the room, let me see. Julie, Jassy, Heidi, does anybody want to ask a question? You can either just unmute yourself and you don't have to come on camera. Um, if you have a question for Demetra, either about cooking Greek, Greek language or music lessons. Feel free to jump in and let me check in with my Instagram ladies over there. Anybody, everybody's being super quiet. I know it's a Sunday morning. One of the things I'm having a lot of fun with is teaching when I'm teach my piano students in person, I have a mug and it has the Greek letters, the alphabet on it. And I teach them the alphabet. Like every time at the lesson I go, what are these letters? And they, they just learn it because I just <laughs> Well, you're just combining. I mean, it's so much easier to learn when things are fun. I mean, it just is. Right. You have a teacher that's really passionate about what she's doing. So uh, Julie says, uh, well, I definitely need to go get some kebabs and tzatziki now for lunch now. (laughs) Thanks, Julie. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, So what's your favorite? Like, I love spanakopa, I think it is, right? Spanakopita. Spanakopita, yes. Yes. Of course, everybody loves that. Um, I'm not a lamb person, probably because I just feel bad about the little lambs. But um, I mean, I'm a meat eater. But what's your favorite? Like, what are two of your favorite recipes? Not necessarily that you teach the students, but something that we can maybe post in the group, like a recipe that you just really love. That's something we wouldn't necessarily have heard of. 
Um, there's a white bean soup called fasolada. That's kind of the staple soup throughout the winter. And it's just, it sounds so simple. Just white beans that are cooked with, it's with carrots, celery, onions, garlic, tomato. Um, and I don't know why it's so good, but it's just so good. And parsley at the end. So that's one recipe I love to make in the winter. So it's and kind of rich and comforting, but then you have that, that freshness, that brightness of the, um, uh, of the parsley. Exactly. And, um, that, that's a recipe I love to make. And I, I want to, before I say something about a second recipe, I just want to point out that your work, what you do, it's, um, it's especially uh, applicable in Greek cooking. So what do I mean by that? Not kitchen design itself, but the functionality of a kitchen. Mm -hmm. Kitchens in Greece in general are very simple, but they're functional. Right. So there are people who live in villages with barely anything, right? But they've got their supply of their rice and their oil and their whatever. And for me, learning how to stock my pantry was just, it was like a lesson by itself. And I, if you, if you go once a week to the market or twice a week, whatever, and you get your fresh ingredients, but you have your pantry set. Yeah. Um, you're, you're more than 50% of the way there. So in general, Greeks, for example, m most people traditionally got their oil in November or December at the oil, oil harvest. And that's your oil for the year. So like oil is not on your shopping list because you have your oil, your lavi for the year. Okay. So now when I have in my kitchen, I'm just always making sure that I have pant certain pantry items. And that's what makes it so easy to yeah. cook because you just have to say, oh, I just need this and this and this fresh one, and then I can do it because I that you're not going to be buying lavi in February because you've got your year's supply, and yeah. I, I I really mean that. I mean now today yeah. there are grocery stores and it's not so much, but anyway, okay. So fasolada is a wonderful soup that's eaten in the winter. That's a great winter dish, and I would say that learning to make spanakopita, even though that's a common let's say a cotton, like you can buy your Spanakopita in Trader Joe's, just learning to make my own was a great pleasure. And that's, that, that's one of my favorite foods. So, yeah, I, well, I have a huge thing of, of spinach right now. So I was thinking maybe I should try to make that from scratch. Cause that would be, that would be very like outside my normal comfort zone. Um, and that, and I, I love the flavors obviously, but I, it would be really fun to make that from scratch right now. I'm, I've teaching myself to make fresh pasta from scratch and that's been very enjoyable. Well, then maybe you're going to be ready for fresh filo after that. Yeah, right. That's what I was like. Oh, I should learn how to do that. I'll have you teach that. that, well, that. You teach that in the group. Well, that's more of a specialized thing. People, yeah. not everyone wants to do that, but anyone who wants to learn how to make fresh filo, I, I love um, Maybe what we'll do is we'll pay you to come into the group and teach it privately inside of our group wow. how to make Velo from scratch. That would be really it's fun. A very, it's a very gratifying process because yeah. you sort of feel connected to the centuries of women who did this. And even though you might not be as good as they are, you, I, I literally think of my ancestors when I, when I roll out the Velo. I think, wow, my grandmother is doing this while she was 
washing the laundry, yep. the laundry by hand and while she's running all over the place and picking Managing animals like yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's kind of humbling. It's kind of grounding, like, okay, I'm doing this out of choice, but I'm connecting to yeah. someone who did it. Cause that's how you did it until you could buy it in a box. And by the way, pro tip, um, Philo, store-bought Philo, it's a little tricky to reheat. Like, it's okay. You can do yeah. it. But out fresh out of the pan is the best. But homemade Philo, okay. the next day, amazing. The next day, amazing. So I love Spanakopita made with homemade Philo for, for leftovers. So it's like stronger, like it's better than the store-bought. Oh, I love this. It's, it's such a different texture. I okay. you, could, you could say it's better, but it's not necessarily better because maybe, yeah. maybe you love the, the paper-thin one right when it comes out of the oven. It's just oh. melting and it's amazing, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. It's actually my sister-in-law who uh, this, I hadn't even occurred, that, it hadn't occurred to me, but I, I asked her one day, I said, oh, I thought your son didn't like Spanakopita. And she goes, no, he likes it as long as it's fresh out of the oven. He doesn't want it any other time. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And yeah. then I started thinking about the difference between fresh out of the oven versus. Yeah. And, that's awesome. um, yeah. Well, I'd love to see the difference in texture. I definitely, uh, I made a couple of them two days ago and I definitely know, I mean, I knew that was coming because people said like, you know, fresh pasta is different. The texture is different. And I was like, oh, this really is so delicate. Like it's, it is different. It's got a different bite to it, but it's, it's, it was really pleasurable. Like, and it, it was interesting because we had Brooke Ansley on last two weeks ago and we were talking about like eating and proportions and all that. And I was surprised how much more I would eat with store-bought pasta that I still made the dish, right? But the pasta I didn't make, I ate way less of the stuff I made not because it didn't taste better. It actually tasted better, but I was like enjoying every bite so much more that I probably ate half as much, which was interesting, but I had the same sense of fullness and the same enjoyment of it. Um, so it was just kind of an interesting, uh, I don't know, juxtaposition there. So I'll be curious to see if that happens with the Spanatacopa. I think I said that right. Spanacopica. Spanacopica. Well, I just need to see it written. I need well, to see it written. Here's yeah. the thing. Greek words, many Greek words are very long. Like yes. you say, I went to the store. Five syllables gets you a sentence. Five syllables in Greek, spanakopita, yeah. frequently is a word. And that's one of the things that you just have to get used to. Yeah. But the great thing is that there are only five vowel sounds in all of Greek language. There's a, E, E, O, and U. There's no ah uh, or uh or anything. It's just those five. So once you, once you learn these vowel sounds, the same, yeah. same thing in Spanish, um, it starts making it easier. Yeah. And of course, seeing the word, which means you need to learn, know how to read the letters. Yeah. Read, yeah. right? And so yeah. it's just so fun. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a puzzle or a game, yeah. figuring it out. And then when you get it, you're like, you, you feel, feel really smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you can't say it quickly. That's all right. Who cares? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. That's great. Well, it's been a delight to have you here. I know the ladies are really going to love this. We'll publish this obviously on the show um, and we'll do a refresh. Everybody, we always do it Monday morning. So we'll restream this exact same thing. So you can watch again. And um, thanks so much for joining us. I've got my questions and my kitchen questions that I'm going to answer for the week, but 
Um, you're more than welcome to stay, but thank you so much for being here and sharing a little bit of your, your Greek heritage and your fun and your music and your food. I just love it. Thank you so much, Camille. It's really an honor and a pleasure to be on your show, and I love your work. Oh, that's so great. I love it. All right, so are you going to stick around, or are you going to stick around? It's up to you. Okay, so ladies in the group, uh, Josie says, uh, that's probably not her first name, but uh, the ladies are saying thanks so much to Demetra. So we had a couple of things that came in this week. Um, One of the questions was, um, I want to do tall, sorry, usually Carissa's reading these to me. I want to do tall cabinets all the way to the ceiling, um, but I'm not sure if that is going to look good. Okay, so here's my thought on tall cabinets all the way to the ceiling. So. It depends on the height of your ceiling, obviously. Um, Most of the pictures that you're probably seeing on Pinterest or on HGTV can be sometimes 10, 12, 11, 14 foot ceilings. So that look, that real built-in tall, like glamorous look um, can be like $100,000 worth of cabinets in in reality, okay? Now, if you have a typical eight foot ceiling, eight or nine foot ceiling, um, I like cabinets that go all the way to the ceiling. The only downside or the only thing I always caution people is that you're not going to use those cabinets. It's for looks. Like, it's just a reality. Like, I want you to plan your kitchen, the parts that you can actually reach, right? Which is generally the first and second shelf of your uppers. And the rest of it is just for looks. That's it. That's my answer to that. And it might add, um, like, we're doing Julie's Kitchen. And hers, it didn't add very much because she has a traditional eight-foot ceiling. And... She does, she has a small kitchen, right? But if it's a large kitchen, um, like 25, 30 cabinets, it might add another $3,000 to go all the way to the ceiling. But that's still relatively not that much if the job is say $25,000. So that's sort of my my thoughts on tall cabinets, tall upper cabinets. Uh, They are a little bit of a pain in the butt to clean, uh, but they look pretty, right? They look really pretty. So anybody have a question about that that wants to jump in? I hope I answered that question for uh, this was Cheryl. Uh, Let's see. The second question is, should I buy my, should I buy my refrigerator first or my cabinets? Okay. So when you buy cabinets, whether that's through us or through somebody else, that person is going to want to know the model number of the refrigerator so they can build the refrigerator cabinet to match that. I know that when you go shopping for refrigerators, like a lot of the people will say, well, this is a standard fridge. You know, it's a standard 36 inch fridge, but that's still, all fridges are still different sizes. There are like probably 80% of the market that's like a standard 36 inch wide refrigerator is roughly 69 to 70 inches tall. Yes, that is true, but they are different depths. They can be 25 inches deep, 32 inches deep, 36 inches deep. And so you want that refrigerator cabinet that's going to cover that to be built for that refrigerator. So even if you're not going to buy the refrigerator now, I still want you to know the model number and give that to your cabinet maker, right? So like if you order through us, we have to know the refrigerator, the model, because we're going to build the cabinet to fit that, okay? Hopefully that answers it so I guess should I add it first? Should I buy it first or my cabinets? Um, I would always buy cabinets first because they're the longest lead time. But I would know the appliances you're going to buy. That's typically what I would say. Um, okay. Third question: I want to add, I want to add light and windows around my kitchen. How many should I add? Another question that's hard to answer without <laughs> context. Um, Generally speaking, if you're going to add more light to your kitchen, I'm going to suggest that you do a good use of can lights, meaning recessed 
lighting and have a good perimeter that well, that well lights, that lights the area really well already. Ir secondary of windows, okay? The reason for that is that windows are gonna still have light coming in at a certain angle, right? And it's a different kind of light and it's a light that fades over time. Like right now it's quite bright here because the sun is coming in this window, but as the day shifts and the sun moves, this room becomes darker. So that's the same way that windows work, right? The sun moves in different ways, depending on how your house is positioned, but we want nice, even light in the kitchen, morning through night. A lot of people are cooking at night, obviously. So you don't want to rely on the light from windows. To me, the light from windows are a visual thing to look at. They're beautiful to look outside. They add a lot of visual interest, but I don't rely on natural lighting as the major light in the kitchen. The other thing is to remember is that no matter, um, hey, Monique, no matter how many windows you add, remember when you're putting things on the exterior or windows, you then can't put cabinets there. So a lot of times uh, when someone's remodeling their kitchen, they want to make a bigger space. And so they rip all the walls out. But you have to remember, you need walls to put cabinetry on, plumbing, electrical, appliances, your fridge, right? So you can't remove all the walls. You need walls to create the structure to put cabinetry on. So it's kind of a fine line. Um, um, that was Teresa. So Teresa, if you want to send that into our Instagram, you can DM me or post it in the Facebook page. If you send me a picture of the actual room you're talking about, I can show you like how many windows I would add to that room. All right. The last one, the last question that came up in our group this week, we've had a lot of women that joined the group are putting in these beautiful custom hoods. And so I wanted to just talk a tiny bit through the cost of that because um, it can seem a little bit simple on the surface, but there's a little, they're, they're more, a little more complicated than they seem. So um, several of the girls have wanted these sort of wood shaped hoods, right? Where the the, the, the hood itself, the part that's sucking air and the fumes up, it's called an insert hood. And so that me mechanism is inserted from the bottom up. And I typically use a company called Venta Hood, V-E-N-T-A Hood, Venta Hood. They have a lot of different ranges and they really specialize in insert level, insert hoods. Okay, they go from the bottom up. So you see them when you look up, but you don't see it from the front of the cabinet. And those can range from seven to eight hundred to you know several thousand dollars depending on the strength of it. I typically like anything around a six hundred cfm, which is the amount of air that it's pulling, is plenty for a 30, 36 inch wide stove. If you have a forty eight inch wide, you're going to want two blowers on that. It might be around nine hundred to thousand cfm. Um, the way that that works is you have to build or have somebody make the custom wood hood part, the part that's pretty. And that's the shape, the angle with the panels. And some of the ladies, uh, we're doing some for some of the women, but some of them have found builders on Etsy. So if you just type custom wood hood on Etsy, you'll find a lot of like shaped wood hoods that fit your specific location. Um, from people that just make custom wood hoods and they ship them to you finished, right? So that's one way to do it. Um, just remember, you need the wood hood part. You need the insert that goes the actual motor, the me mechanism and the blower that sucks the fumes up. And you need somebody who knows how to cut the back of that hood, right? The hole that's going to come out, pull the stuff out into the back of the side of your house or up in your ceiling, up in your attic, and the actual hood itself and the insertion of the metal part, the, the, the vent that you're going to actually see. So there are a 
little bit complicated. There's a lot of little moving pieces to those things. And roughly they range, I would say around $2,500 to $3,000, like total. That's the wood part that has to be made, the insert, the venta hood part, the person, the laborer who's going to put that up and install it and make sure it's put together, a little bit of HVAC, right? The person has to hook up the actual vent to the venta hood. Um, they're, they're a little bit of a project, okay? So they look beautiful. They look amazing. Just know that there's, it's not simple. Like it's not just one person and one little decision you make. And they range from, I'd say on the low end, 2000, maybe 2,500 to 3000. So I hope that helps some of you ladies that are doing that. We're going to post, um, we're going to post some pictures before and after we have Joanne doing hers. We have Sonia doing one and we have Helen are all doing these beautiful custom uh, wood hoods with a venta hood inserted in the bottom. So that's it. That's the show for today. If anybody has any questions, now is the time to pop on with me. Um, you do not have to be on camera, but you've got like a minute or so, and then we're going to call this show good. Uh, Demetra, are you still there? Everybody's listening. Julie, any last minute questions? I know Julie is starting the demo of her kitchen on Thursday. So that is exciting. It's finally happening. Yes. Julie's like, yes. Any <laughs> questions, Julie, for Demetra before we pop off or me? Um, no, I think I'm good. I think I have a good plan in place and I'm getting out way ahead of my skis on picking things that I'm not ready for yet. But that at least makes it fun because I know the tough parts coming with the demo and the bits that I don't like, like electrical and plumbing. So I'm trying to make it pleasant along the way. I love that. Yeah. And I did, um, you sent me the two subway tiles. Julie's doing a, it's a really pretty, I think Demetra would love that. It's like a watery blue. It actually reminds me of Greece, like oceany. It's like mm-hmm. a kind of a water glazed subway tile. And it's like a really beautiful, light, clear blue, like a, it just looks like water. That's going to be her backsplash. Ooh, sounds nice. She's thinking now. So yeah, really fun. All right, ladies. Well, Demetra, thanks so much for being here again. Thank you. Thanks for all the ladies that joined us on Instagram. Really appreciate it. And Heidi and Jazzy, thanks for jumping on. And Julie. So we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Great kitchen design and incredible functionality should not cost an arm and a leg. That's why I created Kitchen Remodel Rockstar, a membership group exclusive for women that's affordable, honest, and direct. For just $97 a month, we help you explore all those choices running around in your head, like how big is a granite slab and which color should I pick? Is porcelain better than stainless steel? And what will it cost? Should I buy a farmhouse sink in single or double bowl? Or maybe what type of cabinets should I buy? Should I buy custom? Should I do a reface? I'm really lost, right? And finally, how do I even figure out the ideal cabinet layout? Well, that and so much more is what we cover inside of KRR. It's like kitchen therapy, because let's face it, planning a kitchen remodel is stressful. So many decisions to make, it's hard to know who to trust. And that's where I come in. Look, my program has helped over 10,000 women across the country create their own kitchen system that blends high-end functionality with gorgeous design without overdrafting your checking account. So jump on in today and let's see how we can help you get your dream kitchen for less stress and money. Just like Jessica. 
quote, I can't believe how much I learned already. This was worth the cost and it's been two days. I am so excited to start exploring countertop options now. My anxiety is completely gone. Thank you, thank you for this group. So hey, I really want to add your story one day and I hope you join because this is a safe and affordable place for women just like you to explore what they want to create in their dream kitchen and get straightforward answers in real time. Just think, for $97, there's no more waiting or wondering if you're making the right decision. Now you will feel confident in every single choice and know that you have created the best dream kitchen you can for you. I hope to see you inside the club today. Go over to krr.com to sign up. That's kitchenremodelrockstar.com today.